I love coming to your church. It's always a pleasure. Pastor Devin and Pastor Larry asked me to come a couple of years ago and just talk about hearing from God, talking about spiritual gifts, talk about that side of things that's all about the Holy Spirit. And I love that. Just returned from the First Presbyterian Church in Honolulu. And it was, a, I, know, I know already you don't like me as much as you did. But it was a wonderful invitation to come and, t- and share with their representatives of their denomination. There was, there was 360 leaders from 35 churches. And I got to share for three days about the things of the Spirit, how to hear from God, what I've been sharing here, about the prophetic, about examining things, about what, what the Holy Spirit's saying today, and, and getting them moving in that. It's been wonderful. The same thing's happening. I've been invited to two events in England this year in the Anglican Church. There's such a hunger in the historic churches. And so I want you, I want you to know that if we can maintain our heart for unity, that's beyond people just like us. This could be a wonderful time for us to influence and encourage our fathers in the faith, if you want to think about it that way, those historic churches. And maybe they can turn around and bless their sons and daughters, which are us. Well, I want to talk today about the language of heaven. The language of heaven. Language. Words. I'm a songwriter. I, I love words. I love getting just the right word for the right situation. I, and I, and, I love, and I love language. We love the Hawaiian language, and we got to hear some Hawaiian singers while we were over there. And such a beautiful, flowing language. And, and I found out there are movements for the hula, which I'm an expert at. There, there are movements for the hula they get from the palm trees. And a lot of the indigenous people, they, their movement, their words, everything is about what's around them, and they really are people of the earth. And I love their language. Well, a friend of mine uh, was having some tension in his marriage and trying to figure out what to do. So he came and talked to me about it, and after he talked, I kind of suspected maybe a little, little part of it was his fault. And so I tried to say something uh, easy like, you know, quite often God speaks through your wife. And I thought, well, that, maybe he'll listen to his wife. But then he turned to me, and he looked sort of funny, and he said, wow, I didn't know God used that kind of language. <laughs> And I thought maybe I didn't see everything I needed to see. <laughs> well, words and the language that we use are very important. With the words of our mouth, we can use to bless or to curse, to encourage or discourage. The Bible speaks of a different kind of language. It's not English, it's not Spanish, it's not Russian, it's not pick your French, whatever it is. It's called the language of heaven. And I want to talk about that today, and I, want, and I want some of you, this might be old news to some of you, you might think, is he going to talk about what I think he's going to talk about? And you're already planning your exit strategy? Just give me a few minutes. I promise we won't bring the snakes out. You know, we, we, it, it's going to be okay. But I want to share with you about the language of heaven, and I'm pretty passionate about it. Uh, the Apostle Paul, who wrote one-third of the New Testament, spoke of the language of heaven. And he used a phrase that's come to be sort of a catalytic term for all kinds of people. Some for a very positive experience, some for a very negative experience. But but I always like to see what does the Bible say about something. So that's what we're going to look at. Well, he said in 1 Corinthians 14, 15, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. Speak in tongues. Some of you are going, it's what we've been waiting for. Some of you are saying, uh... Exit, where's that exit at? Just stick with me for a little bit. I think this is going to be good. You're going to like it. Tongues are wonderful. 
I know we've seen a lot of weirdness on television, a lot of churches have gone to, we've seen a lot of folks seem to lose their mind in the name of speaking in tongues and become like a, Ch- a Jekyll and Hyde character. And they're sitting there calmly and all of a sudden they're just manifesting all over the place. And it's a little scary sometimes. But tongues come from the Greek word glossa, which just means language. Speaking in tongues is not gibberish. It's a language. But listen to this. It's a spiritual language. Every language has been corrupted by impure words of, of profanity, words of hate, and words that we use to curse. But there is a heavenly language, a spiritual language, that is pure. There's a spiritual language that is pure, and I'm going to show that to you before the day's over. But Satan is so worried about this language of heaven that I think he's sent in a spirit of fear to deceive us. False doctrines have convinced many that speaking in tongues or speaking in a prayer language is not only not for today, it's downright evil. It's demonic. There's pastors in my city that have gotten up and said, if you hear anyone speaking in tongues, those are demons. You run as soon as you hear that. Pastors have actually said that. So I guess our church are demon runners as far as I can tell. But but what does the Bible say about tongues? Turn to somebody and say, a lot. The Bible says a lot about speaking in tongues. Turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And go ahead and let's stand up and let's honor the Word of God when I just read it to you. You can follow along behind me or follow along on your phone. This, this passage of Scripture is so important to us in the early days of our church during the Jesus movement. We just, our idea was, let's just do what they did in Acts. Let's just do that. And we were just naive enough to think that maybe we could. And we did, and, I've, and I continue to do those things. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And all together, in the King James, I think, says they were all in one accord. That's an important phrase. Let's all say, in one accord. Okay, whenever you hear that, give a listen as we go along, okay? They were all in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now that one translation for that word sound is roar. And we saw that this Thanksgiving. Our two-year-old grandson has, is just developing his language. He's got a few words, but he's learned what a dinosaur sounds like. He goes, roar! So every time you look, he's going, roar! Well, I want you to know this wasn't just a lovely little quiet, easygoing sound. It was a violent wind. It was a big roaring sound. It got everybody's attention. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting And they saw what seemed to be like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in their own language. Amazing. Have a seat, everyone. I've tried to imagine that. You just imagine a bunch of dismembered tongues coming over everybody's head. And, and, and I, I couldn't work it all out. until. I, but I, I was determined I was going to learn about this and just try to get past all of the fears and all of the biases that people had both for and against this whole, this whole message of tongues. The gift and grace of tongues were released on the day of Pentecost. Pente just means 50. 
day of Pentecost was 50 days after Jesus' resurrection. And that was the first mention that I just read in the upper room. But later on in the house of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, says they heard them with their own ears, they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then believers at Ephesus in Acts 19 says when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and they prophesied. This was a normative experience in the early church. It wasn't the exception. It wasn't just for those Pentecostals over there. It was a normative experience for those that God had sent the Holy Spirit to be poured out on the day of Pentecost. Now, I want to mention three different manifestations of tongues, from that, all from that, that root word, glossa, language. One is xenoglossia. That's when the speaker prays in an actual foreign tongue they do not already know. My mentor, Laddie McDonough, who just went to be with the Lord a couple of years ago, only went to the eighth grade. He knew English, but didn't know any other languages. And one night we were in Ohio, I believe, and he began to speak in tongues, which I'd heard before, but it was different. Somehow familiar, but it was different. And you know, when you give a public message in tongues, there needs to be an interpretation. That's not just Katie bar the door, everybody go crazy for a few minutes. It's, there's an order to it. And so when you, a message in tongues comes publicly, there needs to be an interpretation. So we were waiting on an interpretation. And this couple raised their hands in the back of the room, and they came forward and said, we believe we had the, the interpretation. And they, were, and they had a very thick accent. And they said, we're from Russia, and we came here tonight asking God about specific things that we needed answers for. She pointed at Laddie, and she said, you, sir, were speaking in classic Russian, and everything we'd prayed about, you gave answers for in a language that you did not know. And I think that's, I don't know about you, I think that is pretty cool. That's, that's really cool, I think. So xenoglossia is when a speaker speaks an actual foreign tongue they did not already know. The next manifestation I want to mention is you've probably heard this term, glossolalia. It's a Greek term for giving a message in tongues in the context of public worship when neither speaker nor hearer knows the language. That's why 1 Corinthians 14, 13 instructs that we should pray for an interpretation or the meaning of. I move in the gift of tongues, and sometimes I have interpretations. And sometimes you don't, you don't understand intellectually what they're saying, but in your spirit, there'll be a picture, there'll be an impression, there'll be uh, an understanding of what's being said. And I'll say, I think this is the interpretation. And we never say, this is the interpretation, buddy. You better take it. it says, I say, I think this is the interpretation. Then we all get to keep our minds open. We don't turn our minds off. We don't just check out and say, I guess that's what it is. We have the mind of Christ. We discern. We keep leaning into things like that. Well, the third manifestation I want to mention is praying in a prayer language. Sometimes that's a little easier to take, prayer language, than praying in tongues because of all the connotations. But uh, David Pitches from England said this, Praying in the spirit language is what happens when a Christian believer allows the indwelling Holy Spirit to guide the form of words that are uttered. Now, it doesn't mean you shut your brain off. It just means less of me, more of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to humble myself. If I want everything God has for me, I can't say I want everything but. I'd like all this, but I don't want that. The more you follow Jesus, the more you just want what he wants and whatever he has for you, that's what you want. Whether it's cleaning the toilets or getting up and speaking in front of thousands, it doesn't matter. 
It's what He wants that's important. So there's a certain humility when you start to speak in, in tongues or in a prayer language. A certain humility comes that I think is, I think is very attractive and it's good. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 14 and 15 says we can pray with our spirit and pray with our mind and we can sing with our spirit and sing with our understanding. So praying in the spirit is not mindless. It is a way of praying in which we actually cooperate with the Holy Spirit in what I believe is the language of, of heaven. Paul thought the language of tongues was important. He spent a huge amount of time of it with the, on it with the Corinthians. He said, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual things. And th there's a problem in Corinth. They were known for spiritual gifts, but they were also known for immorality, and they were known for pride. So he had to come in and hold on to one of those three things and help adjust the other two without losing the precious that was the first thing, spiritual gifts. The problem was not that someone was speaking in tongues. That wasn't the problem. The problem was the misuse of glossolalia. The Corinthians were giving long speeches in tongues and one after another as if competing and drawing attention to themselves. When the Holy Spirit moves in any of the gifts in your life, whether it be prophecy or giving or whatever it may be, it's all about pointing to Jesus and giving Him glory. It's never about pointing to us and drawing attention to us. So Paul was worried that it would freak out non-Christians. I've got to come in and figure out how to not lose the precious and get rid of these worthless things without freaking everybody out. And this is a dilemma for a lot of pastors. Most pastors I know love anything that the Lord has for them. They want it. But there's so much uh, immaturity sometimes in the body of Christ. And people start doing weird stuff. And then the pastor's in a dilemma. He's got calls Sunday afternoon. If that happens again, I'm not coming back. He's got other calls going, wow, the best service we've ever had. I lost my mind for 30 seconds. It was wonderful. I mean, so he gets both those things. And he has to deal with it. And so a lot of, a lot of pastors over-regulate. The Holy Spirit has a room over here on Tuesday nights between 8 and 8.05. The rest of the time, you're over here. Or others under-regulate. Whatever you want to do is just fine. The more swinging from the chandeliers and yelling and screaming and spitting and fuming, the better. And I think there's a good middle ground to where we have the whatever God wants from us, but there is an order in it. There's something in it that is compelling you toward Jesus, not repelling you from Him. All right, here's what he told them in 1 Corinthians 4, 14, 9, and 17. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you're saying? You will just be speaking into the air. To give a long speech without interpretation is self-indulgent. Paul was adjusting their attitude. He was not banning any of the gifts of the Spirit. They're just have, they were needing an attitude adjustment. That's all it was. 1 Corinthians 14, 12, Paul said, since you are eager for the gift, he was trying to think of a positive way to start talking to them. He said, since you are eager for the gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church, like the gift of prophecy, hearing from God and speaking what you hear or what you see. So excel in those things that build up. So I got thinking about that. How does praying in tongues build people up? And I want to give you three things it does. And the first one I love it gives our soul a voice. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean, that phrase probably is comforting to you. But you may not know what it means. It gives our soul a voice. 
Romans 8, 26 and 27 speaks of times when we pray until we run out of words, but still we aren't finished. Like you're praying for someone you love to be saved. And it's been years. You prayed for years. You're praying for someone to be healed and they're not getting better. And it's days and then it's weeks and then it's months. How, what, how often can you say, oh Lord, please heal Fred? After a while, you just run out of words. So Paul says that we can, we can pray in a prayer language and actually cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And here's how it works for me. I will pray for someone, like I'm praying for Pastor Larry about something. I'm praying, and I run out of words. And so then I just start praying in the Spirit because I still have the burden. I don't have the words, but I still have the burden. So as I begin to pray in the Spirit, suddenly a burden lifts, and I feel finished. And sometimes I hear later that at that very point that that burden lifted, the person I was praying for had a breakthrough. I've heard that over and over. and It's very practical. It's not just ecstatic stuff to make a show for the cameras. It's very practical and it's very useful, I believe. It gives our soul a voice. When we pray in tongues, it says the Spirit intercedes with us according to God's will. How would you like to pray in God's will every time you pray? Pray in the Spirit and it'll happen. Well, the second way that it builds us up is it draws us near to God. Good friends communicate. As we share hearts with each other, we grow closer. It's the same with our relationship with God. Now listen to these two, this one and a half verses in the book of Jude that are beautiful. Verse 20 and verse 21a. Dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourself in God's love. There's some indicators there. We can build ourselves up in our most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. And by praying in the Holy Spirit, we'll, keep our, we'll build ourselves up in the most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Spirit, it keeps us in God's love. You cannot spend time with the Holy Spirit for very long and keep hating. And keep unforgiving. You'll, you'll be drawn to love every time. In between 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 is 1 Corinthians 13. I know that's a revelation for some of you. 1 Corinthians 13, Paul stopped talking about the gifts. He said, we're going to talk about love. The context is always in love. Somebody say, amen, love. I was serious. Amen, love. Okay. The third way that praying in tongues can build us up is it can lead to breakthroughs. Ephesians 6.18 says part of spiritual warfare is praying in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. Same thing, praying in another language, praying in the Spirit. Listen, Paul was not saying, do not speak in tongues. Some, some people translate these verses as saying, especially 1 Corinthians 13, we should not move in the gifts of the Spirit. But he said back in verse 3, he wanted everyone to speak in tongues. In verse 18, he thanked God he spoke in tongues more than anybody because he knew speaking in tongues, praying in the Spirit edifies us. All he was saying was, just don't be weird about it. Why do you have to be so weird, is what he was saying. Don't you know this is wonderful? We don't have to compete. We don't have to draw attention to ourselves. We can receive this magnificent language of heaven. And when we're in one accord, we can do some big time stuff. We can intercede with the Holy Spirit and pray in the will of God. Don't use it to draw attention to yourself. Well, let me give you three myths about tongues. Myth number one, you start speaking fluently the first day. 
The Bible says they heard fluently. It doesn't say they spoke fluently. The night that I received tongues, I received tongue. I received one word. It was the word dunamis. I didn't know what it meant as far as I know. I'd never heard it. Someone interpreted it means power. Someone prophesied over me a very significant prophecy that night. But all I had was one word. And I, and I just started praying that word all the time. Dunamis, dunamis, dunamis. And I just prayed and prayed and prayed. And like learning a language, it started, more started coming. More started coming. You know, I took Spanish in high school. And I learned you don't speak fluent Spanish after one class. We don't expect our children to start speaking in complete sentences. If they say mama or dada, we are putting it on Facebook right then. And God's the same way. If, we, if, if we're starting to receive a prayer language, just one word, one phrase, something, he's going, wow, Gabriel, come listen to this. Man, Devin is tonguing out. He's just got one word, but listen to that. Well, the next myth about uh, tongues is this. You can't control it. Some people think you go into a trance-like state. You can't control yourself. It's an act of your will that you grow in. It's an act of, it, you know, it, it's an act of your will you grow in like giving. A dollar doesn't just jump out of my pocket. I mean, I don't want to give. My hand involuntarily picks it out of my other hand. It's forced into it to get the money out and put... And I don't... No! He convicts my heart. He speaks to my spirit, and I give it out. He doesn't just grab my arm and say, you're going to write this prophetic word, and you're going to do it now, and you're going to like it. No, he, he speaks to me, and then I write it down. Holy Spirit's a lot nicer than you think. He's a gentleman. He's not always forcing himself on you. In fact, it grieves him. Even think about stuff like that. Myth number three, it's, it's just going to jump out of you one day. It's Black Friday. You're on aisle six in Walmart. And you start speaking in tongues. Or maybe you just sit down uh, at parent-teacher conference and out it comes. You think, well, I, it's just going to come out of me. That's what some people think. Well, it's, it's a myth. Uh, Paul taught using the gifts of the Spirit should be done decently and in order. He said the voice of the prophets is subject to the control of the prophets. I pray in a prayer language throughout the day, most days. I move in, in giving messages in tongues and interpretations when the Holy Spirit prompts me. But I don't do like some people do. Some people get up and they just involuntarily start speaking in tongues right in the middle of the pastor's message. And then they look at the pastor and say, I couldn't help it. God made me do it. No, what I do is, if, if I, if, especially if it's a church that I'm not the pastor of, I go and I'll ask the pastor, whoever's leading, I'll say, I think I may have a message in tongues. Is that okay with you? See, I don't think it hurts the anointing to get wise counsel. Well, how, what's the best timing here? You don't always know. So it's being under authority does not squelch the leading of the Holy Spirit. It actually emboldens it. It makes it more uh, united as we go along. Well, let me talk about the big picture of tongues for just a minute. The Tower of Babel, you remember that? Tower of Babel was built by people of a common language who had decided to make a name for themselves by doing something apart from God. In Genesis 11, 1 and verse 5 through 7, it says this, 
Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. The Lord said, if as one people are in one accord, that's that phrase again, speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. God wasn't being arbitrary or capricious, showing how powerful he was. He didn't want to be left out. He knew in their own human strength it would be a disaster. He wanted them to do great things, but not apart from him. And they were trying to do it in their own strength, drawing attention to themselves, and that's why he had to confuse their language. Here's my question. Is it possible it was a heavenly language that they were using to make a name for themselves, the language God spoke with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden? Pride was an issue here, so God withdrew that original language to confuse. And then I found this promise in Zephaniah 3.9, which I think was a promise about the day of Pentecost. Listen to this. For then, or on that day, I will restore to the peoples, listen, a pure language that they all may call in the name of the Lord to serve with one accord. There's that phrase again. And I believe that promise was fulfilled in Acts 2.1. They were all together, all in one accord, all in one place, and tongues of fire rested on them, and they began to speak in languages they had not learned. I think it was the pure language of heaven. And I think God's restoring it today, since the day of Pentecost is being restored. Now listen to me. Praying in tongues is not something you do. It's a conversation you have. It's about relationship. It's not about performance. It's about relationship. It's, not, it's about talking to God in His native tongue, the language of heaven, the pure language that you were born again to speak. Like Paul, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. But I realize all of our experiences won't be the same. We're all unique. We have a different way of looking at things. I look at things through a more emotional filter. My wife looks at things through, uh, which has saved my butt a bunch of times, through logic in ways that I'm just not. So I've asked my wife to share her testimony about when she received uh, her prayer language the first time. So this is my wife, June. Okay. I, um, I grew up going to a Methodist church every Sunday. I had a 16-year pen we never missed. Uh, but <laughs> it is kind of crazy. Um, but um, my experience with getting saved came through um, um, a weekend that we would do called a, a lay witness mission where just normal people, not the paid staff, came and spoke to us about getting saved. Um, through that, that happened in my senior year in high school, and a group of us had a Bible study. We didn't really know much what we were doing, but we did start to read the Bible and trying to understand it. And I, I got to this part at one point that was in Mark 16, starting with verse 17, and it said, and these signs will accompany those who believe. So immediately I went, okay. All right, here we go. This is going to happen. In my name, they will drive out demons. Hmm. If I see one, I'll, I'll drive it out. They will speak with new tongues. And I was like, whoa. 
They will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. So I'm thinking, okay, yeah, we got snakes. Yeah, I'm going to stay away from that, but if I do, we'll, we'll be okay, and I'll try to not drink poison. But I was hung up with this part, they will speak in new tongues. Because in my experience, I had never heard anything about that. It was so totally foreign. So I brought it to the group and going, what, what is that part? Yeah, it's words in red, even in my, um, anyway, what is that about? And, and everybody's like, I don't really know. And Wayne was in that group and he knew, but he wouldn't say because he thought we would all think he was weird. So anyway, I, this is just in the back of my mind. And, and a few months later, I was invited to go to participate in one of these um, lay witness missions. And when I got there, the girl that I was to share um, a, a room with in a home for the weekend, one of the first things she said to me is, have you been filled with the Spirit? And I went, I don't know. How would I know that? You know, how would I know for sure? And she said, well, one of the things is you will speak in tongues. Immediately I'll go, speaking tongues, oh, what is that, you know? And it was like, God had prepared me. I knew I wanted it, I just didn't know what it was. And so that weekend, I did ask to be filled with the Spirit, we prayed, and, and I, did, I received a prayer language because God had been preparing me beforehand because he knew my mind needed to know there was something about that. So that was all it was. Amen. <laughs> good. good. Speaking in tongues is not something you have to do to be saved, but it's something that's available that you get to do if you want. And I just want to give you an opportunity. I'm not going to have you stand up and come down the aisle and do all that stuff, I don't think. But here's what I want to say. I want, I want, I want to give you Wayne's three simple steps to receiving prayer language. It's actually, it's Matthew's in chapter 7, verse 7. Here's what you do. If you want to receive a prayer language, you want to receive it today or this afternoon or at some other time, there's three steps that I like to use. Number one, ask, and it'll be given to you. Just ask. Ask something like this. Father, I ask you for a prayer language in tongues. I want all that you have for me. Whatever it is, I want it. I'm, I'm, giving, I'm giving you permission, Holy Spirit, to fill me with a prayer language, with a spirit. Don't complicate it. Don't get under pressure. Just keep it simple. Just ask. Step number two, seek, and you will find. Sometimes it's a process. Just believe God wants to give a prayer language to you. I tried from the time I was five until I was 19 to receive a prayer language. I tried hard. It wasn't until someone told me I didn't have to and took the pressure off that I began to speak in tongues, and I do to this day. The third step, knock, and the door will be open to you. Just knock. To knock is an action. You just step out. You give it a try. Most spiritual gifts don't feel weird or mystical. They feel natural. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give an opportunity for us to pray these steps just right where you're sitting. No one's going to get up and play a bunch of music and stuff. It's just going to be normal. It's just us. All right? Some of you have been prepared already, as June was. The Holy Spirit's already been moving in your life, preparing you. Others have been having a prayer language for years and years. Why don't you use that to pray for the rest of us? Just right there under your breath. Now, here's what I'm asking you to do. 
Now, sometimes it's helpful to have someone pray with you, and at the end of our service today, there'll be a prayer team, and if you want someone to pray with you, like I pray with a young lady this morning, and we'll do that. But I'm just going to give you a chance to just be natural, normal, right in your seat, no manipulation, no hype, receive your prayer language. All right? All right, here's what I'm asking you to do. Just close your eyes. Just close your eyes. And I want you to pray. I want you to ask in your own words, Father, I ask you for a prayer language in tongues today. Go ahead and just ask that before the Lord. Father, I ask you for a prayer language in tongues. Now I want you to be prepared to seek and to wait. Go through whatever process God has for you, whether it's going to happen right now in a minute, whether it's going to be this afternoon or tomorrow. Just believe God wants to give a prayer language. He wants you to have the language of heaven. Now here's the, here's the thing I want to keep your eyes closed right here. Knock and the door will be open to you. Just knock. Take an action. I'm going to ask you to be quiet. And just see if the Lord will bring a word that you don't know into your mind, into your spirit. Maybe a phrase you haven't heard. The key is something you don't already know. And when that comes up, then I want you to just take a step, not out loud for all of us, but out loud to get it out of your mouth. I want you to speak that word out. Okay, let's do that right now. Be quiet. Lord, give me a tongue. Give me a phrase. Let me speak a lot of words. Now let that come into your mind. Got it? Okay, now is a step of faith. You don't have to do it for me to hear, but I want it to come out of your mouth. I want you to just say that word, or those words, or those phrases. Just let it come out of your mouth right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, some of you, that, that's exactly what happened. It happened to several people in the early service that talked to me about it. And if you, if you thought, well, nothing happened, I didn't get anything. That just means the process has started this afternoon. One of the guys that was one, eventually became our th chief theologian in our church really rest, wrestled with tongues. He tried and tried and tried. He, he gave up. So I'm not having it. It must not be for me. Went home, took a shower, started speaking in tongues while he was in the shower. Came the next day and says, guess what? He filled me with, a, with his spirit and speaking in tongues in the shower. It may be in your car listening to worship. It may be walking out in the woods. But your job is to just say, Holy Spirit, whatever you want, I want. All right? Everybody good? All right. Here's what I'd like to do. And again, there will be a, a prayer team here in a few minutes that will pray for you if you'd like for someone to pray with you. Sometimes during worship, the Lord gives me prophetic words. And that's also a spiritual gift in 1 Corinthians 12. And, and it's also in Romans 12. You can see the gift of prophecy. And all that is is hearing something and speaking it out. I hear something, I write it on this piece of paper, and then I hand it out. My, my young friend, Cody's going to come. And, and Joe, won't you stand right down there, Cody? He's going to come. And he's been traveling with me some. And he's, uh, I've been mentoring him. And he's starting to move in this gift a little bit. And so let's welcome... Cody. All right. Let me start with a word that I got last night 
I had a dream last night, and in this dream, I had a picture of a man with a red checked or a flannel shirt. I think that would be you. Could you stand up, sir, and shout out your name? Steve? Well, I had this dream, and all, all I saw was your shirt, but I knew it was a man. I had a dream about you that in the dream, I heard one of God's names spoken over you. It was his name, El Shaddai. And that's from Exodus 6, 1 through 9. The name means God, or I am the source of all blessings and the God who is more than enough. I feel the Holy Spirit is revealing and speaking that name over you to free you from fear of not having enough or not being enough. You have a generous heart. The Lord wants to release more faith to receive a gift of giving. It talks about in Romans 12, 8. Philippians 4.19 will become a life scripture for you. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Let it be settled in your heart that El Shaddai is a God of more than enough. He will supply all you need and enable you to walk in the gift of giving and to take this message to others. This is going to be a life message. As God supplies your needs, you're going to testify for him. And others are going to be set free of this poverty thinking. It'll never be enough. Can you receive that? Amen. You got a word, Cody? Uh, this is for the lady in the pink right here. Can you stand up, please? <laughs> What's your name? Gidget. I heard God say, she is precious to me. And then I heard, stay strong, stay strong, stay strong. And then I got... Isaiah 41, 13, it says, For I, the Lord, your God, keep hold of your right hand, who says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. And then I saw a picture in my mind, and in the picture I saw God, and he was standing next to you. He reached down and he took your hand, and he said, I'm here, always. So. Amen. Amen. There's a guy with a wool cap and glasses with a beard right back there. Can you shout out your name? Joey, 2018 has been a year to get through. 2019 will be a year of breakthrough. I had a picture of you climbing a difficult mountain, difficult to climb. Then as you crested the top, the view was beautiful. It was worth the climb. You are just cresting that mountain. Take it in. Enjoy the view. Let the Holy Spirit give you a broader perspective of your calling and your calling's trajectory. It's going to be broader than you thought. It's time to enlarge your sphere of influence. Just look. Just listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Breakthrough is already beginning. Just be thankful. Amen? Right. Dark-haired girl, three rows back right there. That would be you. In the, in the green top, I think. What's your name, hon? Candy? I just saw that you're very alert in the spirit. Uh, you don't miss much. Not much gets past your notice. And I think that's about a gift of discernment that's in you that's real and growing. You could be a powerful prayer warrior. You may already be. Be confident in the Lord and let him bring a boldness in your faith that you haven't known. Steps of faith in January will open up a fruitful place in May of next year. Changes are coming. When the Holy Spirit initiates change, it is for your good and it's for His glory. Place your trust, your hope, your confidence in the Lord. He always leads us in triumph. All right? One more. 
The woman right here with blonde hair and glasses, about five or six rows back. That's you. Yeah. Can you stand up and shout out your name? What was your name? Andy. I just heard this. You have come too far to turn back now. There has been progress. There has been forward movement in your life, just not as quick as you had hoped. I come to comfort you that you have made headway toward goals and vision you have in your heart for your life. Hang out with positive, encouraging people and receive their encouragement. You've come too far with Jesus. No turning away, no turning back. Press forward in Jesus' name. Good outcome is right around the corner. Amen? All right. This is a word for the church. And uh, go ahead and come back up, Pastor Devin, and I'll turn it back to you after this. And I'll give this to your pastors to look at. Like you need to do these words, you need to examine them and judge them and make sure they're from the Lord. It's what I saw for Grace Church on November 23rd. I saw a fruitful season breaking forth in 2019. A wind of discouragement blew into town in 2018. It made the sky seem dark and foreboding, but it was just a dust storm. It had no substance unless we give in to it. But it can stir up fears that rob people of hope and faith. Discouragement means to extract courage out or to take courage out. I see another wind beginning to blow into the church in late 2018. We're there. And it'll gain force in the first three months of 2019. It is an encouraging wind, full of hope and faith, bringing encouragement to build each other up. Encouragement means to put courage into. 2019 will be a year to choose to receive encouragement and to decide to give encouragement to others. A theme scripture I think that could be yours in 2019 is 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. Therefore, starting now, begin to move in words and acts of encouragement. This is how we move in the opposite spirit of discouragement. Build yourselves up by praying in the Spirit. Then you can build others up. Look for life to replace dead works and let love find fuller expression among you. Wherever life and love dwell together in a unified people, God's blessing resides and abundant fruit comes forth. I see a fruitful season breaking out in 2019. Now, if you, amen. Now, if you received a word, would you just stand up wherever you are, if you got a word from me or Cody, and, and I want someone around you to do what I want to do for Pastor Dev. I'm just going to lay my hand on his shoulder. Someone that you trust close to you, just put a hand on your shoulder, on your arm, and I'm just going to pray that this, these words do what they were meant to do. Father, I pray that these words that have come today would encourage and strengthen and comfort and affirm and build us up in the Holy Spirit. Encourage us that we can encourage others. And Lord, any of these words that just came out of mine, Cody's mouth, just let it drop to the ground. Those parts of the words that are of you, let it burn into our hearts. And do it, Lord, in Jesus' name.